Hey everyone, welcome to This is Steph Sober, a weekly podcast for those in need of some sober support. I'm your host, Steph, and in this episode, I chat with Karen. At 97 Days Sober, Karen's eyes are wide open to the negative effects of alcohol. But the road to sobriety wasn't easy. Karen knew drinking was becoming a problem, but she didn't want to ask for help. In our chat, she shares how help actually found her, and ever since, she has made sobriety a daily priority. And let me tell you, she has quite the sobriety toolbox and isn't afraid to try any new way to process her feelings without alcohol. Karen, you said you want to find a way to give back to the sober community. And I want you to know that taking the time to tell your story for the podcast is definitely a way to do that. So thank you. This is Karen Sober. How's sobriety going? It's going. That's <laughs> it's good. Going. <laughs> it's going. It's going good, actually. I'm 90, where are we? 97 days today. Ooh. Still counting the days. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, it's going. It's been... Um, it's been tough. I think nothing quite prepares you for what you're about to embark on. And it's a whole different mindset, I think, to just doing a dry January, you know, especially if you're thinking, I really want to and need to make this stick, um, you know, or you're not pregnant <laughs> um, right. or something, you know. <laughs> it's been an incredible journey. I don't know if I like using that word, but, you know, it is. Yeah. It's a progression. <laughs> journey is like the perfect word. And I think it's a never ending journey. And yeah. <laughs> you start, and I'm sure that's kind of where you're, I mean, you're almost a hundred days sober. I know. And then in my head, I'm like, well, that's nearly a third of the year. That's yeah. not my strong suit, but you know. Mine either. We'll go with that. Mine either. <laughs> we'll go with that. It's nearly like 300 days, give right. or take. <laughs> yeah. But so, that's yeah. incredible. I mean. No, never thought. It, it, me and you both. <laughs> me and you both. But yeah, I mean, it is a journey. And I think it's just when you can wrap your your brain around the fact that this is the new way of life, there's mm-hmm. a lot that comes with that. Like you said, there's a lot of things when you first get sober that you don't even realize you're going to have to feel and work through. Have you experienced the grief part yet? Yes. Yeah, it's... um. You know, I heard sort of fairly early on, you know, the good news is you get your feelings back. The bad news is you get your feelings back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think I'd used alcohol for for a lot of numbing for things that had happened, you know, throughout the course of my life. And, you know, that comes back. You start to think about things and you start to remember things that I'd forgotten or buried or you know, wherever they'd gone in the recesses of my mind that was being pickled by <laughs> alcohol. So yeah, and that's been quite difficult to to process without picking up a drink, you know, because that's the go-to, isn't it? Whether it's a good day, bad day, the, the day of the weekend's in why, <laughs> um, you know, let's just pick up a drink because that's the, the thing that, that has got me through I say that loosely because it doesn't actually get you through anything. It just makes it a whole lot worse, really, um, and gives you a load of additional problems on top to deal with that you then don't deal with. (laughs) 
Um, so when you come out of that the other side and you don't have alcohol as this, uh, you know, that emotional crutch or this tool for numbing everything, then, you know, the, the stark reality of the emotions and the feelings and the things that you just haven't processed, you know, for as far back as, as you care to go, um, do, you know, become really real again. And it's almost like you're reliving those things that have happened or, you know, and trying to navigate your way through that. And I think for me, what comes with some of that is a whole heap of regret. And some of that, there's absolutely nothing I can do about it. And then wrestling with that, you know, you know, that would almost be, well, I'll just have a drink because that would be the <laughs> the way to deal with it. And it's absolutely not because, again, it's just going to make it worse. And you can end up on this loop, I think, very quickly of, you know, dipping in and out of um, sobriety. But, yeah, it's been quite cathartic in also a number of ways. And I can feel the emotional growth and um personal growth and you know I often say there's a lot more to sobriety than just putting down a drink you know emotional sobriety is a huge huge thing <laughs> and, and it's a daily you know it's a daily focus it requires a daily thinking about alcohol but in a po- really positive way like I really struggled at the beginning like I'm gone still thinking about alcohol all the time mm. this is just oh when's it ever going to end but it's not thinking about it in an obsessive way in terms of mm, is it nine o'clock yet or mm, how long until I could it's the weekend or it's Christmas or something <laughs> that oh, I could have a drink it's thinking about it in a much more positive way in terms of you know you're growing and developing away from that lifestyle and yeah it's not easy but again I hear you know take the body and the head will follow (laughs) and certainly the level of anxiety um, you know I think I was very highly functioning and I look back and I think god I don't know how I did some of the things I did when I was so hungover all the time um, it's quite astounding to me, really. But then what comes with that is but all of the things I could accomplish, if I've done that at 50% of my capacity or whatever it is, then, you know, at 100% of my capacity, you know, who knows, the world is my oyster. So, yeah, it's a daily, I don't want to use the word struggle because whilst it is difficult, it's a choice that I've made. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not because of any, like, dire health reasons or you know sort of the number of yets that you you hear people talk about so I hadn't lost my job or my driving license or my child or those things but they're things that could could have happened like you know because it is progressive um in in my opinion the amount that you drink does get steadily more and more and more um I wasn't drinking in the morning or you know or anything like that I wasn't a park bench drunk (laughs) which I think is sort of the stereotypical right um you know kind of drinker that you think well that's the the sort of person that would really need to to get some support in terms of giving up alcohol but yeah it's a it's a positive choice and therefore I think about sobriety and alcohol in a positive way in terms of giving it up rather than obsessing over when am I gonna you know take my next drink yeah focusing on the positive yeah instead of Yeah. Like, oh, poor me. I can't drink anymore. I have a problem with it. I mean, some people look at it that way instead of actually focusing in on all the good. Cause yeah, it is hard and it is a choice that you have to make 
every single day. No, I'm not drinking today. And I love that it's a choice you just make every day instead of, Mm because I think a lot of people too try to look too far into the future as well. Yeah. And then it's so overwhelming. And that's with anything, anything that we try to like look too far ahead. I mean, that's when the overwhelm just can overtake you. And I know overwhelm is one of the many reasons I used to drink. So it's just figuring out what your triggers are. And then, yeah, every day taking the time to evaluate and nurture those things and find new ways to cope with them. And really, it's amazing when we allow ourselves with the feelings to actually Mm. feel them and process them. I remember I was just in awe on how quickly they move through because I never learned how to do that. I started drinking at 14. And Mm. so I was always scared to, I didn't think that that's how it worked. I always thought you had to find something to like make them go away. And for me, that Mm. was alcohol. So to learn to sit with it and let it and cry and shout and scream into a pillow, whatever I needed to do. But it is like the release afterwards is beyond any buzz from alcohol. I mean, it is just amazing. When did you start drinking? At what age did you start? God, I mean, I was thinking about this and, you know, in my family, particularly in the, in the men, um, you know, the male, um, male members of my family, it just was always there. My, my mom, rest her soul, um, never never really she never drank she never smoked she was head girl she spoke Russian I know all this <laughs> kind of thing proper you know goody two-shoes mm-hmm. um I definitely kind of went the path of the the male people in my family and it was you know like at Christmas I remember like I was a really young at a really young age being given like baby sham I think it was called or something like that which is like a little they'll do it in cans now but like bottle or a snowball which is like avocado lemonade and like a really young age because it was Christmas or my nan when my brother and sister were born my nan saying I'll oh, just put some brandy in with their milk you know perfectly acceptable so it was it was kind of always around me and it never struck me as anything that was uh, abnormal or wrong or you know it was it was just perfectly normal it was part of woven into like the fabric of everyday life Um, and to this day my dad still drinks excessively (laughs) every single day and then I I was very heavily into competitive sports particularly in in one area and and could have gone really uh, really far in that and so at the weekends you know me and my my friends used to um, I went to boarding school so we used to sort of sneak out at the weekends you know tell our parents we were at school tell the school we were at a friend's house and it's so dangerous now when you think about it yeah um and then we would go down to it was kind of like a club but in a hall a weird kind of thing and because I looked to the oldest and we had fake IDs you know from the back of the, the teenage magazines that you used to get in those days <laughs> that no one ever questioned it was you know oh yes of course you're 17 18 you can come in and because I looked the oldest I used to get sent into the off license before we would go out um, and I would get like the biggest bottle of vodka or and then a massive bottle of cider and all this sort of stuff and then we'd go down to McDonald's get like one coke and four straws or however many straws and then split an extra cups and then split yeah. this bottle between all of us down the um the cider I, just, I can't still couldn't drink it even when I was drinking the, just the thought of drinking that particular cider just, uh. and then we'd get in I'd 
probably managed to have one drink and then spend the rest of the night with my head down the toilet throwing up because mm. I've consumed so much alcohol <laughs> was like a 14 15 year old so weekends very much were kind of centered around that and then the the sort of the sport the competitive sport that I didn't um, didn't end up coming to anything uh, was because of a decision that my dad made at the time saying sort of that my education was more important and I think I've kind of identified that was a bit of a turning point for me and um, then in came boys and you know always the wrong type of boy and very much more centered around going to the pub and smoking and um, going to festivals and you know sort of a string of bad relationships and drinking too much progressively year after year later you know you end up in your 20s and 30s thinking gosh you know <laughs> is this you know I was having fun I didn't really question it still I stopped drinking when I was pregnant with my um, son and again I remember thinking at that time when I was 32 didn't really think about it as giving up alcohol or that I was missing out on anything. I remember thinking, oh, I can't wait to give birth because then I can have a drink, you know, which is mm-hmm. weird looking back on it now. But, um, you know, I was equally excited about the birth of my son, don't get me wrong. It was, you know, more of some kind of a fleeting thought. And I remember at my, I didn't drink at all, apart from at my baby shower, I had one, one drink um, and that just felt wrong. Um, because I was pregnant um, and then um, I breastfed so I didn't drink for a good sort of two to three months after um, my son was born but then slowly but surely you know the alcohol crept back in and you know you, you're then a new mum and it's wine you know mummy wine club and you know because I think like our generation or my generation you've gone through kind of this Ladette culture where it's acceptable you know come from a family where alcohol is just always there then you've got the the deck ladet culture then you've got you know kind of the, the rebellion phase where you're doing things you know that your parents you think your parents probably wouldn't like but you go out and do them anyway um and then you know you mix with people or you, you seem to make friends with people who have similar interests so they're also going out drinking so it just endorses that whole you know your own personal culture and then you're in, you know, you're in the mum's club and, you know, it's, oh, I've had a bad day or I had a, had a tough day or whatever. So, you know, I'll have more wine. And, yeah, it just progressed really from there. But like I said, I never I never drank in the morning and, you know, I, I was probably towards the end, probably a, more of a blackout drunk, which I think was really, I'd done dry Januaries, but when I found it came to February, I would then feel like I drank more. It was almost like I was making up for it. And certainly after, um, you know, a couple of failed relationships, there was time there that I needed to make up for as well. So it kind of went hell for leather and I've got to, you know, catch up on all this stuff that I've missed, you know, which actually wasn't a lot, to be fair. And then, yeah, then, you know, you, you hear, I think now there's much more of a an awareness of the effects of alcohol on the body and just how how much again it's woven into the fabric of literally everywhere you look everywhere you turn every event and you know you start to question and you hear things and you think is that that's not right then you know and this is a choice I can make I don't have to do this and you know I'd towards the end again I'd be drinking and thinking I just don't want to do this anymore I, 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 this has to stop like I'm not happy doing this I wasn't you know really really anxious but 
my anxiety definitely had had increased and the waking up feet when you wake up in the morning after drinking just that feeling of just shame and dread and despair and I can't believe I did it again like how did this happen why is this happening (laughs) you know I'm an intelligent person I've got a really good job I've got a home I've got a son you know why why is why am I doing this to myself you know what am I hoping to achieve it was almost like I'd hit the apologies for my French but I'd you know hit the fuck it button every single Mm -hmm. night and like be on this self-destructive path but to what end because I didn't want to (laughs) self-destruct but that's the addiction part of it right that's the part yeah. yeah it makes no sense at all like zero sense and yeah so then I had been drinking I guess you know on and off heavily to some points not so heavily to other points but since the age of like 14 and then November 30th is my sober day and actually the night before (laughs) I'd stumbled across this person on Instagram that I was following anyway Um, and I didn't realize that she'd been on a sober journey until I clicked on one of her stories I was like Wow, like, and I said, like, watching it all, you know, whilst drinking alcohol. With your, um, with your yeah. drink in hand. With my wine. Wow, yeah. this is amazing. It <laughs> makes it look so easy and it's so good. And wow, you know, there's all this support available. And um, it's quite embarrassing, actually. But I, um, she, there were sort of other people that she followed, and one of them I clicked on, and um, they basically, you had to click on another link. Um, and then they would need to charge you like 200 pounds or whatever it was for them to tell you, you know, in my words, how much of a fuck up, fuck up of a human being I am <laughs> you know, based on the amount Fair that I drink. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> so then I messaged her. I was like, oh my God. And then the next day, and you don't, I didn't realize what I'd done. <laughs> so yeah, I messaged her and oh my God, I was like, how can you endorse this? You know, yada 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 <laughs> off on my high horse about three o'clock in the morning because <laughs> I'd stay up you know progressively later and later yeah. to consume as much as I possibly could um and then bless her she messaged me the next day and left me a voice note so kind so lovely um saying you know she apologized she didn't realize that and I was like god you don't owe me an apology if anything is the other way around <laughs> like I'm so embarrassed I'm so ashamed I'm really sorry I was like, this, this has to be a turning point, surely, at this point. And she said, come to an AA meeting with me. And I was like, what? <laughs> never even never even considered anything like that. You know, I'd looked at sort of various online resources and various things, but I just thought, oh, they all need to charge those money. And which is probably why this other thing triggered me so much. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's just another one of these, you know, money-making schemes. And it's not actually helpful. And so I went to a meeting and I was like, wow. Like, it just felt like I've always struggled asking for help. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have to do it sort of fiercely independent, I think, is, you know, to the extreme. Maybe mm-hmm. I do everything in extreme. To a I'm fault. A, yeah, I think that's Me what too. I'm finding. I, yeah, I do mm-hmm. everything to an extreme. There's no half measures. Right. <laughs> no pun intended. Right. <laughs> but, um. Uh, yeah, so it and it felt like I'd been given a really big hug, but by mm. a group of people where there was no judgment and I didn't ask for it, but they were there and willing to help and just listen 
And yeah, there was um, all different ages, all different ethnicities, all different genders, all different stories. But they were also, again, they weren't this sort of park bench drunk. They were just sort of normal, whatever normal is, normal people that reson- So, you know, some of what they said resonated with me. Some of it mm-hmm. was, you know, <laughs> God, you know, haven't haven't been there, but still something to learn from each and every one of the, you know the people in in the rooms and it, yeah I've just found it really um really helpful and I'm you know, not religious by any stretch I went to a Catholic school and all that type of thing but not religious and I don't find it overly religious I think you can take I kind of ex- explain it as I've got like a toolkit or a toolbox mm-hmm. and within that toolbox I've got lots and lots and lots of different things that help me on my help me with my sobriety and, and AA is a part of that um, but not the only mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. Um, whether they wouldn't be happy with me saying that I don't know <laughs> but you know <laughs> each to their own <laughs> um, so yeah there's lots of things I do whether it's the Instagram sobriety sober community which I didn't even know was a thing until I you know started on this journey I was like how have I missed all of this it's amazing how much opens up to you I think really once you start looking you know I started meditating which I'd always like whatever you know before <laughs> poo poo the idea completely I was like well, I just want to sit there and breathe are you having a laugh yeah <laughs> but actually the clarity of mind that that gives me is incredible I journal um, I've been um, exercising a lot more you know getting back to some of the things that I really loved doing before whenever all of this you know started to snowball really so there's a whole host of things that I do that really help it's not just centered on one thing because I can't you know again maybe this is me doing things to extreme <laughs> but you can't, I don't think you can put all your eggs in one basket and just hope that something's going to stick you know this is where kind of the daily work and the the continuous thinking about the choice that I've made and the, the kind of the dedication or the commitment to it as you would with anything like if I was going to run a marathon I wouldn't commit to just doing stretches in the morning. <laughs> you know, I, there'd be a whole host of things I do to get me fit and well. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's incredible really, the more I think about it. Yeah. And it, I like the the whole toolbox thing because it's true. You've got to start figuring out what works for you and it's mm-hmm. not going to be just one thing. I wish it could just be one thing and it could mm-hmm. be that easy, you know, but yeah. we are human and our emotions can be so different from day to day. So one time, yeah. you know, maybe meditating works for one thing, but then the next time you go to meditate and you're like, this ain't working for this. And so, yeah, you have to sit down and journal, mm-hmm. but you don't know what tools to use until you actually use them. I have always been super resistant to journaling. <laughs> I have never seen the point. Like I'm like, what is the point of writing all of this down? And I just started journaling the last couple months and I'm kind of kicking myself because I'm like, wow, <laughs> wow. It mm. just, it's like, it just takes all of that mm. and get, pushes it right out. Like on the paper, I type because my hand cramps up when I'm writing. Yeah, <laughs> so I type, yeah. So I type everything mm-hmm. and I'm yeah. like, I hope this still works typing. It does. And that, it, it does. The point is just getting everything, all them thoughts, mm-hmm. because you mentioned anxiety, anyone who's anxious, we mm-hmm. get caught up in this reel of thought mm-hmm. 
and it gets spun up and it gets stuck in our head and it won't stop replaying, replaying, replaying. We can't sleep. And it, yeah, it turns into like, like a tornado. Like it starts out as like this little cycle and it just like goes into this big tornado. Mm -hmm. And when you write all that stuff down, that's in your head, even if it's the smallest thing, Mm. it goes away. Yeah. I was having a hard time sleeping and I finally just, it was like a week straight. I finally just sat down and just everything that was on my mind, threw it out there. And that night I slept so good. So journaling is now officially in my toolbox. Yes. (laughs) Officially. A tool I will be using. Yeah, yeah definitely. I don't want to say these are all things I do like religiously every single day. Like there'll be right. like some days of, you know, I'll just kind of like you say, every day you feel slightly different about things. Um, so it's knowing and getting to know what's going to work for me that day. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the biggest challenges is prioritizing that self-care. Like similarly, I've never been great at putting me first. It's always yeah. been, you know, how taking care of everybody else to make sure everyone else is okay. And, you know, I come kind of come pretty far down that picking order, but with sobriety, you have to, you really do have to make that priority. And it's okay mm-hmm. for me to, you know, show, show myself some self care and some self worth um, really is, is what I'm doing um, and time for me. And if that means I have to sit for five minutes, <laughs> writing some things down in a book, or I can do a 15 minute meditation or just go for a work, a walk during a, a work lunch break, then then that's all okay you know the world is not going to end because I take a break to do something for me that's that's really you know self self-fulfilling in a good way because if I don't you know I think things could unravel pretty quickly and then I'm going to be no good for anybody right and that's kind of like what we were doing with alcohol Mm. we were Mm. you know using it because we weren't putting ourselves first yeah and so that's why it was a shitty day or, you know what I mean? Like we just would use it to numb out those feelings and it doesn't help you feel any better about yourself. If anything, since getting rid of alcohol, I, I feel more comfortable taking care of myself because that Mm. negative talk that used to be in my head all the time with the drinking that's gone away. And I have now been able to replace it with like, okay, you're tired. It's okay. Like you talk to yourself like a child, like, yeah, but you've been working really hard lately. Let's take a rest today. Like you have to do that to yourself. You have to treat yourself like you love yourself. So treat yourself like you love yourself, you know, like someone like your child or your spouse or your parent, like it can be hard. Like I said, especially coming out of addiction because yeah, we just put ourselves last and would drink to numb that out. But Mm-hmm. does help it's it's such a big 100%. thing to do 100 that self-narrative is a really interesting concept because I've spent quite a lot of time thinking like where does that even come from you know you know certain things will happen to everybody in in their lifetimes but where where does the the need or the the feeling that I need to tell myself how you know unworthy I am of everything mm-hmm. um like where does that come from it's you know probably some more analysis needed on that front to get down into the the depths of that but it's um it's really interesting as you come through through the other side and like it's still very early days for for me at the moment but yeah I'm enjoying I'm enjoying making the time for me and knowing that that you know you, that will pay itself forward yeah in other ways so yeah I can still I can still be there for everybody else 
and I can still be tired even though I'm mm-hmm. sober <laughs> that's mm-hmm. okay too <laughs> like sober people are not just chippy all the time um, really tired in the beginning too <laughs> oh my gosh exhausted exhausted but yeah I'm tired now in a better way that I know I'm I'm not just knackered from abusing my mind body and soul on a daily basis you know it's it's because I'm you know I think the back to I guess the emotional side I think that is tiring um because you you know you're processing a lot but you, you kind of do it I do it in more of a controlled way so I know I can get to a point where I go okay right that's enough of, of that for now I will revisit this I'm not pushing it away or down or keeping it at mm-hmm. arm's length like I've done forever I will come back to it you know I'll stick a a pin in it so to speak and and then I'll come back to it and and that's okay too it's kind of giving yourself the what's the word I'm looking for kind of the allowance to do things at your own pace and I don't have to do everything at a million miles an hour all of the time mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a race to the end no it's a marathon but oh that was a learning curve as well you know I had this realization I can't remember what day I was on it'll be in my journal somewhere mm-hmm. um but it's like I was like this is for life like this is relentless (laughs) like this never ends and I think in those very early days you do it is a bit of a um a bit of a shock to the system in again more ways than one but as time goes on that does get easier and I think you learn to have some sort of coping mechanisms to put in place you know the toolkit that I've mentioned that that does help you embrace that and again like I don't think of it I know in my head it's a marathon and it's not a sprint but I don't think about where am I going to be in I don't know 200 days time or a year like I put a lot of pressure I start to get to 90 days I don't know where it came from I felt like oh, I have to get to 90 days and when I get to 90 days what's going to happen you know am I going to start I don't know shitting rainbows or <laughs> something <Right>. <laughs> but um, and then I stopped counting like in the lead up to that I stopped counting those days I thought I just don't want that to be an excuse of well you know I'm not magically cured so <laughs> you know I, that's an excuse to pick up a drink Right. So I've, I'm still keeping sort of an eye on my day count, but I'm not putting any pressure on myself to get to 100 days. Say, as example, as the next sort of milestone, it's just mm-hmm. if I get there and I know I'm there, that's amazing. And I will congratulate myself and, you know, treat myself to something with mm-hmm. the inordinate amount of money that I've saved from not buying alcohol. <laughs> Isn't it awesome? I know. That's I don't so even actually awesome. know how I afforded it in the first place. To be I don't fair. either. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What have you, are you just saving it up or are you reinvesting it? Like I reinvested my extra money in getting a personal trainer because I've mm-hmm. always been passionate about working out, mm-hmm. but as a drinker, I could never stick to anything. And I wasted mm-hmm. a lot of money on equipment and classes and things. Gym membership. Yes. (laughs) And then when I quit drinking, I was like, you know what? I'm saving a ton of money. I'm going to invest in Mm. a coach who works with me one-on-one. And it was like, like, I think if you can invest it back into something you're passionate about, something that, you know, alcohol took from you, Mm -hmm. like what a way to like give alcohol the middle finger and be like, yeah, I'm taking this money and I am going to put it into something yeah. to better myself. Thank you very much. Yeah, hundred percent. I really like the idea of getting a coach actually and a personal trainer. I might have to look into that. Um, I've been doing it through um, like exercise through Fitbit 
apps and other sure, apps yeah. and things like that. So, but um, I one of the benefits of being sober for me is just being so much more present. Mm-hmm. And I was really conscious of all the things that I had missed out on or forgotten about or couldn't recall quite as clearly as they actually happened. Um, so I um, have been going to to things and places like with my son. So we've been to the theatre a couple of times already this year. We've I treated myself to a new pair of shoes, which I've never done in a million years. Uh, and just little things like that, but things that where I can create sort of memories and um, really remember those, but like enjoy it in the moment. And because I'm so much more present, like have full recollection of exactly what's going on and be able to look back on that with fondness and, you know, not tainted by, but then I had a drink or I was actually thinking, God, when's half time so I can go and get, um, you know, a drink or whatever and spending more time with family and, um, and friends and going for walks and you have the dog and kid and loads of, you know, just stuff like that. And just saying yes to more things because I can and I want mm-hmm. to. And again, it's not tainted by mm, that's a bit too early. So I probably wouldn't make that because I'd be too hungover or mm, I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford that because I've spent all my money on alcohol. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's investing in sort of memories at the time that I will be able to cherish for, for years to come, which is really important. Yeah. I love the being able to say yes. Cause I, love that part of sobriety. Mm. Like that part never gets old is being able to, Mm. anytime my daughter asks me and you know, she's a teenager, so everything's last minute. And when you're (laughs) a drinker and things are last minute, if you've already been drinking, you're not really available to like run her somewhere or go to the store real quick to get something for a school project. And so that was something I used to run into, you know, she would ask me last minute and I'm like, well, we can't because I've been drinking. And I would tell her that. I mean, I'm very transparent, but now it's like Mm. the only way I'll say no is if I'm already in bed and I do go to bed kind of early. But other than that, you know, mom, can you take me to my friend's house? I sure can. You know, like I'm perfectly capable and it it builds like a a trust and a a safety for her too to know that she can rely on me for things. Yeah. Or even just getting them places on time. Yeah, that too. I was finding the... Getting, being the able to get ones. out of bed in the morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was something in the last two weeks before I stopped drinking that had kind of reached the worst in terms of waking up and thinking, oh my God, I'm going to have to drive to school, which is literally a five minute walk away. <laughs> but in this case, just get everything on, get in the car, yeah. you know, and... um and then the gates would still be shut and you'd have to do this all that walk of shame into the office to sign in late again. And uh, yeah, so being, knowing that I can just get my son to the places he needs to be on time. I mean, punctuality, again, not one of my strong suits, <laughs> but, <laughs> but not for the wrong, you know, all of the wrong right. reasons. And yeah, that just feels amazing. I guess that's another one of the challenges is the the fear of, you know, what if that gets old? What if that stops being amazing? What if, you know, all these things that I'm meant to achieve now I'm sober, you know, there isn't like this big epiphany or there isn't this 
you know, I look back in years time and go, well, I did all of this, you know, for all of the sort of the little things that, that do mount up and add up into big things. What if there isn't, yeah, what if there isn't that something? It's just, it's something that does go around in my head a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. understandable. I can tell you the further along you get, it just, as you've already noticed, as you've gotten further, it's been just like the alcohol, the progression of the alcohol into your life. Mm-hmm. I feel like the progression out is the same way. It's not like, boom, all of a sudden everything comes to you and now you know your life purpose or you know what you're meant to be or you know it, but it does come. And it that's what needs to motivate you yeah. every day to say no to drinking because it will come to you. Yeah. It's like yeah. this unraveling and everyone's journey is different. Mm-hmm. But they're very timeline wise, I feel just because I've been in the Instagram community for almost a year now, and I've met a lot of people, obviously the people who are around the same time frame as me, we've gravitated towards each other, right? Because we all yeah. kind of onboarded at the same time. And then, mm-hmm. oh, did you experience this too at this point? So there's some similarities. And I will tell you just off my experience around month five and six, mm-hmm. I went through this whole inward thing. I felt tired, but I felt this need to investigate who I really am. Like mm-hmm. if it, there were just all these things coming up and they were new and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like I remember loving that when I was a kid Yeah, and like, it's like, Oh my God. And then by month six, I started a sober podcast. Now when I got sober, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> no, not even a thought. And so crazy things happen. Things will start to make sense and you'll start finding things that you used to love to do and find different ways to do them now as an adult. Because as a kid, yeah. I loved to do plays. I loved to write scripts. I forgot that I used to do that. I would sit down and make up a whole play and then I'd get all the neighborhood kids together and we would do this production. Wow. I mean, I forgot, but these things start coming back to you. It's really wild. And then you're like, I want to do that. I want to feel that way again. Like I want to, I want to find something that makes me feel like that again. And, And the podcast has been that for me for sure. So keep going. Like, keep going. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, I'm excited to have connected with you even with that, because I just love watching people like, yeah, like as they figure out their passions and, and like, oh my gosh, it's just, it's going to, it just gets better and better and better. And I had someone who I knew personally, when I told them that I got sober, they had been sober for close to 30 years. And at almost 30 years told me your life is about to get so good. Like at 30 years, they still feel incredible about their decision to get sober. So that right there, I'm like, okay, I'm in, you know. And and you know, like nothing good ever came from drinking ever. Mm -hmm. There is no, no one that I've spoken to that regrets giving up alcohol. There's plenty of people or everyone I speak to regrets drinking for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. Um, I know, you know I'm a big believer that if you um, like good things, take you know the the hard work 
and the continuous work and you know nothing good comes easy but when it does you know even if in the smallest of of ways the sense of achievement is so amazing and again like whilst those thoughts do go through my head that I'm not going to put myself under any pressure in terms of you know trying to force anything and you know I'm just continuing to enjoy noticing the little things like the birds singing <laughs> like how can you not hear that but well, for a long time I didn't <laughs> um, uh, there were times where I wanted them to shut up because yeah. I had a headache <laughs> <laughs> that's true actually that is true um but yeah just noticing the really small things um is is so feels so precious and you know almost like coming awake again if that makes sense I don't know it sounds a little bit cheesy doesn't it when you say it out loud but yeah. Yeah. It's like a rebirth. It's like coming alive. Mm. It's experiencing things from a different lens and it's a, mm. the most beautiful, vibrant lens ever. I mean, you just, you don't know how much alcohol has dulled everything in your life until you give yourself enough space from it, enough time <laughs> away from it. And then you can look back and be like, that was not how I was wanting to live life. That's not living. That's just functioning. That's just just trying to get through. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really sad. (laughs) That's why when you think about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. And there are so many positives, so many positives and benefits to, to not drinking. It's incredible. If other people are listening to it and are struggling, I guess one thing I would say is just don't, don't give up giving up. Is that the right thing to say? Giving yeah. Giving up, up, yeah. <laughs> it does get easier. You know, it's still like hard is too strong a word because it so does too. progressively get easier, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't have cravings anymore. I can go out for dinner and everyone around me can be drinking and I'm not tempted at all. It's kind of the milestones that are a little bit more of a trigger. You know, I gave up, gave up drinking on the 30th of November and then it was Christmas, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which was really fun. But you, you can get through it. There's so much support out there. And I think, you know, for somebody that tries to go it alone a little bit too much and, as I said, is fiercely independent, you know, it's the, the community out there that is willing to offer help and support and just someone to talk to at any time of the day or night is so invaluable and you're never judged you know if you were to message literally anyone they would somebody would would pick up so I guess I would just want to just share as much of this as I can because whilst I talk to my friends about um, giving up alcohol you know they're not on the same path as me they've not experienced alcohol in the same way that I have uh, the friends that I have now <laughs> anyway so you know I'm just a, I, I feel like I want to give something back I just don't know how quite to do that so I think at the moment the best way I can do that is to just try and you know be a be a support for anybody else that that needs it and you know the way I can do that is to the pearl of wisdom that I can give at my mere 90 what day how many days was I on you said 97, 97 yeah and my mere 97 days that no that is not <laughs> that is huge it is huge it's like yeah I never thought I'd get there let's be honest mm-hmm. but I am and you know I'm not going to say if I can do it anybody can do it because everybody's right. experience is totally different and mm-hmm. the you know the route to getting here is totally different and it's unique and personal to everybody but I guess what I, the thing I'm most trying to get across the most is that 
you're not alone you know in, in the way that you're isolated when you drink alcohol you know assuming everyone feels or most people feel this, the way that I did that I just felt so isolated and so alone I since giving up alcohol I do not feel that even in the you know the days where I've literally just had to curl up and cry and go I'm like this is so hard I can't do this you know I've been able to reach out to any number of people and it's passed and I'm still here going strong and you know that support is available to literally everybody if I could give any advice or you know anything like that then that's that's what I would would share thank you for listening to the podcast today Remember, I am just a woman on a mission to normalize sobriety and living a sober lifestyle. I am not a licensed therapist or a doctor. Please, if alcohol is causing serious physical or mental health issues, seek professional help. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to hit follow so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, leaving a five-star review will help this podcast reach more people like you in the sober community. It's an easy way to spread the word in normalizing a sober lifestyle. You should never feel alone in sobriety, so feel free to reach out to me via email or through my Instagram account at thisisstephsober. Links to both are listed in the show notes.